Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everybody, welcome to God's Whole Story. There's a different voice introducing us today. It's Chris and I'm here with Ryan. We are wrapping up the last goodbyes of 2 Timothy and jumping in to Hebrews. So... What do we know about the book of Hebrews, Ryan? What's what's unique about this book? Uh, well, we don't know who wrote it that, for the most part, right? I mean, there's there's some strong opinions out there. This as, is one of the New Testament books that is not specified who wrote it. Yeah. Um, so if you ever some, hear somebody say the author of Hebrews, it's because we just don't, we don't really know who wrote really it. Really know. There, there's some cases to be made that Paul wrote this as well. The, some people do think that it is a definitely a different style of writing yeah. than than Paul's other letters, so that would also be a case against it. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, we don't know. I think Andrew Murray was famous for saying, who is the author of Hebrews? We will only know in heaven, something like there that. There you go. So thank you, Andrew Murray. This is intended for a clearly Jewish audience. Uh, yeah. That's going to hit you very quickly. Yes. And I actually think that's important in this book. Um, one, because of the content of it, that you're going to see a lot of like comparisons. Yeah. That um, many people look at this as just a, the theme of this entire book is that Jesus is better. He's, mm-hmm. he's more perfect. He's uh, supreme. And the author goes through a lot of these Jewish things and kind of compares and contrasts to show that Jesus is better than the prophets. Mm-hmm. He's better than Moses. He's better than the Sabbath rest. Uh, a number of these different things. But one of the things I think that we also see um, that as you listen to this or as you read this, you're going to notice there's also a lot of warnings in this. There's four. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Just in our first passage here. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also important to realize that since we're dealing with a Jewish audience, we might not totally realize that when a Jew would convert to Christianity, that was a serious thing. That was, it was not like, you know, we change churches today, or even we, even if we change religions today, religion doesn't necessarily affect all areas of life in kind of modern society. You can change religions, but it doesn't affect your job. It doesn't affect all these different things. But for a Jew to change religions, it would be everything religious, but it would be their food, it would be their culture, it would be their family. There's even some historical evidence that says if a Jew converted to another religion, their family would actually hold a funeral service for them, that it was as if they were dead. Uh, So in many ways, a modern parallel would be like if a Muslim accepts Mm -hmm. Christ or changes religion, it's, it's not just religion, it's all of life. So there's a lot of pressure on these guys Mm -hmm. that everything in their their world, whether it's their food, their culture, their family, is probably saying you're an idiot for leaving Judaism. Come back. Come back to what you know to be true. And I think that's why we get some of the, I think that's why we get the the logical argument of here of just step by step that Jesus is better. But I also think that's why we get a lot of warnings because this was, I think it was a real challenge for them that life would be easier if you just went back to Judaism. Get your job back, get your friends back, get your food back, um, all these different things. So uh, we're just starting. There's going to be even more uh, coming and even some really strong language on some of these warnings to remain faithful. Uh, so yeah, that, that's an interesting part here. If we keep courage, uh, make sure your hearts do not turn back from the living God. Like it just, there's multiple statements like that um, that are good to, 
I was even thinking that keep us keep us walking with Jesus. You yeah, know? the the tail end of that, really the end of the reading. That's kind of like he's making this case about the rest, like the the there's a lot of rest being mm-hmm. said, um, but he says that we need to be careful. Uh, we have to persevere or we'll never enter into that rest. And you get the feeling that the rest that he's talking about is actually like the final salvation, mm. like being in community with God in heaven. Um, so it should get, it should get our attention. These yeah. like very harsh warnings. And it, I mean, there is like an age old debate in church history. <laughs> I was about, wondering if you're going to go there or not, you know, is once saved, always saved. Can you lose your salvation? Uh, I think Hebrews helps with that conversation. And I think it's it's some of the things we need to look at as we consider that. But for me, the thing, at least in this letter, that really helps me understand why the author is doing this is to to try to put myself in the shoes of the original reader. Yeah. Like, to try to think about these people. They are actually being tempted to change their faith. Uh, and not just like, you know, struggle or doubt, but literally like leave Christianity and go to a completely different system again. So we're not talking about just a season of doubts or some questions, mm-hmm. right? I can't quite explain the Trinity or like mm-hmm. we're, we're talking about like a deliberate uh, knowledgeable choice to change, mm-hmm. whether that's based on family pressure, whether that's based on just comfort of life or just like it's, it's a walking away. So some of the things we're dealing with here, I think are a little bit more severe than other times when we, debate could this happen you know it's not just another recommittal at a summer camp like this is this is something far more serious so what do we what do we take from that like how how is hebrews useful to us today um i mean one i think we see that like the author is clear that that christianity is superior mm-hmm. and that it fulfills all those so as a christian we can have confidence mm-hmm. in this I think also, even because there are these warnings, like, you know, it seems like it's possible to make a change, but at the same time, uh, it's serious. So I think on the argument, the thing that I don't like in the argument about can you lose your salvation or not Mm -hmm. is that both sides have very extreme arguments. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, on one side, like, you're constantly wondering, am I saved? Am I saved? Am I saved? Mm -hmm. Like, have I lost it? And it's like salvation is this fragile thing you can accidentally lose. Scripture doesn't say that. Scripture does not portray that. The other side is, hey, I'm golden, man. I may I prayed a prayer when I was four, and I'm golden. I can do whatever I want. And it's like, Scripture doesn't say that either. So the extremes of this argument are what I think we need to be afraid of. Um, and we can wrestle through and have even some different opinions, but it's got to be in, in more more the center of, of this argument. I found it's pretty awesome to, to know that you can't, but make choices like you can. Hmm. That's an interesting, interesting thought. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I, I, I worked a lot with young people in in my missions career, and I would just meet so many people that like they were just so afraid. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just don't see scripture saying be be afraid, be very afraid. Mm-hmm. It actually says no, stand firm. There's a lot of confidence. Be confident, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for me, uh, I think Hebrews is a book that builds our confidence. Mm-hmm. Like it shows that Jesus is superior. He fulfills all of these Old Testament symbols. Um, and we, we can have confidence Mm -hmm. even if our family says we're stupid or even if there's cultural pressure to say like, why are you doing that? Like this is the better way. There's certainly current cultural pressure to to say like, Hey, what are you doing? Come on. Um, and there's, there's, there's a lot of folks in Christianity that like bend a little bit that start to pass away a little bit. Um, 
we don't want to, we don't want to do that. We want to encourage confidence. Um, yeah. I mean, the life that Christ calls us to is pretty awesome hmm. and we don't want to compromise on the life that God has planned for us. We want to walk in that. Amen. I think it's very similar to what the author's encouraging his mm-hmm. audience to do. So hold firmly to your faith, carry it where you're going today, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Second Timothy chapter four, starting verse 19. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila and those in, living in the household of Omniforus. Erastus stayed at Corinth, and I left Trophimus sick at Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus sends you greetings, and so do Prudens, Linus, Claudia, and the brothers and sisters. May the Lord be with you in your spirit, and may his grace be with all of you. Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son, he created the universe. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the sun is far greater than the angels, just as the name of God is, gave him is greater than their names. For God never said to any angel what he said to Jesus, You are my son, today I have become your father. God also said, I will be his father, and he will be my son. And when he brought his supreme son into the world, God said, let all of God's angels worship him. Regarding the angels, he says, he sends his angels like the winds, his servants like flames of fire. But to his son, he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than anyone else. He also says to the son, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you will remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will fold them up like a cloak and discard them like old clothing. But you are always the same. You will live forever. And God never said to any of the angels, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool for your feet. Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits set to care for people who will inherit salvation. So we must listen very carefully to the truth that we have heard, or we will drift away from it. For the message of God delivered through angels has always stood firm, and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think that we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak? And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit wherever he chose. And furthermore, it's not angels who will control the future world we are talking about. For in one place, the scriptures say, What are mere mortals that you should think about them, or a son of man that you should care for him? Yet for a little while you made them little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them authority over all things. Now when it says all things, it means nothing is left out, but we have not yet seen all things put under their authority. What we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels, and because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. God, for whom through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory, and it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among the assembled people. 
He also said, I will put my trust in him. That is, I and the children God has given me. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only as only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves the fear of dying. We also know that the Son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. And so, dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to be called to heaven, think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. For he was faithful to God, who appointed him, just as Moses served faithfully when he was entrusted with God's entire house. But Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses, just as a person who builds a house deserves far more praise than the house itself. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work is an, is an illustration of the truths God would reveal later. But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house, and we are God's house. If we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope in Christ, that is why the Holy Spirit says, Today when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for forty years. So I was angry with them, and I said, Their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day, while it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember what it says, Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. And who was it who rebelled against God, even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for forty years? Wasn't it the people who sinned, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. God's promise of entering his rest still stands, so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this is good news, that God has prepared this rest, has been announced to us as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for the others, God said, In my anger I took an oath, they will never enter my place of rest. Even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. We know it is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day God rested from all his work. But in the other passage God said, They will never enter my place of rest. So God's rest is there for people to enter, but those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted, Today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. 
Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fail. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes, and He is the one to whom we are accountable. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.